0: Right, so I want you to notice what it says in verse 1 of Luke 17. It says, Then said he unto his, the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. And right here we see Jesus warning about offenses, and he said, Offenses are going to come. Just mark it down, offenses are going to come. But you know what? Woe unto the one who causes the offense to come. Okay, And it's it's a, just because offenses are going to happen doesn't mean we should just be like, well, you know, it happens. No, we shouldn't ever want to offend somebody. And he especially says, you don't want to offend one of these little ones who believe on me. And so uh, what I'm going to do tonight, I want to continue the message that we preached last week about they went out from us. And last week we focused on the, uh, the unsaved side of these things. And in First John, when it says they went out from us because they were not of us, what he was specifically dealing with in that passage was, in fact, unsaved people. And, you know, some, one of the things I have to remind myself is that not everyone hears all my sermons, that when I put something out on the Internet that the entire Internet does not hear my sermon or watch my video. And it's like sometimes I put things out there straightening everybody out on subjects and not everybody gets straightened out because they haven't seen it yet. But I still hear people, not not from here, but I still hear people, even though I've put it out on the Internet, I've got the truth out there, that will go to certain passages in the Bible where they see them referring to people as brethren and then they just like that proves they were saved. And no, that does not prove they were saved because the Jews called each other brethren. Paul, when trying to get Jews saved, called them brethren. You know why? Because they were his brethren. But they weren't saved. And so people use that to prove you can lose your salvation. And that is not the case. And, and 1 John, to me, proves it because he's saying too, even though they were of us, they weren't really of us, which is why they're doing this. But while that in that situation that's talking about people who are not saved understand it's okay to take the principle from there and there can be people who go out from us just because they're not of us meaning not that they're not saved but they're just not even our stripe of baptist and this is this isn't even in my notes but can you imagine if you were a saved independent fundamental baptist from the south and you went to one of these camp meeting type churches where people run glory laps and get excited during services. Can you imagine if that's what you were used to, if that's what you liked coming up here in the north and coming to our church? Well, I don't feel like running a glory lap, same marvelous grace. You know, and you know, like you people up here sit like a bump on a log. I don't even know if i got the Holy Spirit on here or nothing like that. And listen, you know, we get offended when people say that kind of stuff and we got to prove what they're doing is of the devil. And it's like, no, it's not even that it's of the devil. It's just... That's a different culture, and different cultures express themselves differently. And so, that, you know, you could have a saved, good, doctrinally sound Baptist that might come to a church like this and be like, you know what, I'm just not going to make it here. If I don't get my, you know, you know, camp meeting moments and glory laps, I just don't feel, you know, right spiritually. You know, if they move on, they're not heretics, we don't hate them, but, you know, they're, they're not really of us in the sense... You know our type of Baptist and so even you know, that's not in my notes I can't really show that in the Bible, but I do believe that is a real thing In principle, but one thing I want to talk about tonight Is really I have one point with several subpoints, but that's why even saved people will often go out from us And and, and i'm referring to these things in a negative way again When you come to a church, it's not a life sentence OK, where if you ever leave the church for anything, you know, you know, something was wrong with you. You went out from us. There's legitimate reasons. We're not going to spend time on that, but there aren't it is negative, negative. And whenever it is negative, we all know it and we don't like it and it doesn't feel good. And it can be confusing for people sometimes. But the main the main point that I want to show you is that some people leave because they get offended. Save people because they get offended And in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20 says, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Now does this mean he loses his salvation? Or as we've preached before, that the rest of the internet hasn't figured out yet. No, it just means he doesn't be, he's not fruitful. He doesn't bear fruit. And we do we want Christians that go and bring forth fruit. We want Christians to go and reproduce. And when you get saved, it is God's will for you to bring forth fruit. It is God's will for you to reproduce. But unfortunately, a lot of saved people, they hear the word with joy, but then when troubles and persecutions and tribulations come, you know what happens? They get offended. And they quit, and you know what? They don't lose their salvation, but they don't bear any fruit, which is what this is talking about in this story. The next verse says, He also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unsaved. No, unfruitful. And there are a lot of saved people that are unfruitful. They're not losing their salvation. And so understand, you are not going to be a good fruit-bearing Christian if you're not planted in the house of God. It's just not going to happen. You've got to be planted in the house of God. It is is very important. I'm telling you right now, I'm not talking about family tonight. I'm talking about a very specific subject. But you want to know the key to successful families. You want to know the key to successful Christians. You want to know I mean successful anything spiritual. Those people are planted in the house of God. They're planted. It's just a part of who they are. They're, they're there. They're faithful. It's a, it's a major part of their life. And I'm telling you, you don't want to get away from the house of God. You get away from church, you're not going to be fruitful. You're, well, folks, let's just face it. When it comes to certain things, when it comes to soul winning, when it comes to bringing forth fruit, that is a spiritual thing. None of us feel like going soul winning all the time. But it's hard not to when you're in a church that promotes it all the time, when a church that's regularly doing that kind of thing. And you know what? Every, you know, some some weeks it's no problem. You know what? You know, days like yesterday, you don't have to push me to do stuff like we did yesterday, go places like we did yesterday. But you know what? Some days I need pushed a little bit. And it helps knowing, well, we have soul winning time. It helps knowing other people are going. And I don't want to be like some of these pastors out there that just sit around in their backside and just pray for the soul winners and do nothing. You know, I have a tough time. Watching our people going to battle and me not going with them. So understand, I need that push. You need that push more than you realize. And you get out of church, it's only a matter of time. You're not going to be doing these things. It's, it's not going to happen. And even people who you know aren't in church like they're supposed to, that are regularly soul winning. If they are successfully doing that for any length of time at all, they're probably like watching preaching all the time, watching videos about soul winning all the time, obsessively doing that kind of thing. Because that's what's going to take. You're going to have to do something. Have somebody, it's usually somebody in a church up there preaching, saying go soul winning, go soul winning, go soul winning. They got you know, and whatever it takes to get you motivated, you need to do it. But understand when you get out of these things you will become unfruitful. And here in this parable, we see one of the things that it mentions. It says, you know, the care of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and become unfruitful. You want to know why a lot of people go out from us? It's because they, uh, they fall in love with the world. That's all there is to it. They fall in love with the world. You know, when you decide you're going to serve the Lord and be a disciple of Christ, you are going to sacrifice some things and you can't be a disciple without sacrifice you can't do it the disciples of jesus they sacrifice a lot now jesus told them you're going to receive a hundredfold in the kingdom of god we sacrifice a lot on earth Uh, everyone who sacrifices on earth is going to be glad in god's kingdom but you know what you're going to have to be spiritually minded to keep motivated because on this earth you're going to lose out on some things and if you fall in love with the things of this world, you will become unfruitful. That's why in first said, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so that's maybe that's one of the reasons people are going out from them too. They're like, you know, this is too much sacrifice. I'm not getting in on this. They were in love with the world. And we can't be doing that. We can't be falling in love with the world. You're going to get in trouble. 2 Timothy 4.10 For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He didn't save because he just wasn't ever really saved. He so, said, No, he forsook me. Why? Not because he wasn't one of us. Not because he wasn't saved. Because he loved this present world and is departed into Thessalonica, Cretans, of the Glacier, Tyson, and Dalmatia. He loved this present world. Why did he say it that way? This present world. What does that even mean? This present world. Well, he's thinking about the here and now rather than the hereafter. And understand, because Paul got it. If you're going to serve the Lord. You're gonna sacrifice. Paul sacrificed greatly. The people who followed Paul sacrificed greatly. They would sometimes go to prison with him. They would they would often be in dangers with him. And Demas he got he lost sight of the eternal rewards and said, you know what? I'd rather have some peace and some safety, some prosperity, whatever here on this earth. And he forsook Paul because he loved this present world. He became unfruitful. So that so right there. Just understand that's one of the reasons we're always preaching against worldliness. That's one of the reasons we're always trying to get people focused on spiritual things. Because if you get looking at this world too much, folks, you're going to fall in love with it. And I have seen this over and over and over again. And I can I can spot these things. I, I can see this stuff coming a mile away. But I've seen it, especially in preacher's homes. I've known many preachers whose kids they followed all the rules they had all the standards i mean obviously you know we you know you know those outward things are easy to fake they were doing all those things but you know you can tell when somebody's just got an eye for the world when they have a love for the things world and parents watch out for that with your kids because your kids hey you know them better than anyone does it is easy to follow some of those outward things sometimes you don't have a choice You know, it's easy for your kids to not have an internet and smartphone when you just don't have internet and won't buy them a smartphone. You know, how are they going to do these things? And so often parents think, I'm strict. I spank my kids. They don't have this. They don't have that. We don't watch this movie. We don't watch that movie. And listen, I'm all for having those standards. I'm all for setting those rules. But let me tell you something. If your kids have an eye for the things of the world, if they have a love for the things of the world, it will manifest itself in certain ways. And, you, and, I, and I've seen it where, you know, kids that I grew you know, g- g- you know, guys that I grew up with had the same kind of church, same kind of rules my parents had, but they, did, they just were always infatuated with the things of this world. Love the things of this world. It showed in how they dress, it would show in how they do their hairstyles and all these things. And when you get an eye for those things, as soon as they are free, as soon as they are out of their parents' house, sometimes they dive into those things even deeper than worldly kids. They just get all in, and man, it gets ugly when that happens. And so understand, parents, whatever you can do to not just keep your kids hating the world, and I don't even mean like hating the world because we we don't want them to hate people or anything like that, but the truth is if you love God, you are going to hate the things of this world. And you can't get them to to hate the world in the right way without getting them to love God. And anything you can do to get your parents or your kids loving the Lord, it's going to make a huge huge difference in their life. And so some people fall in love with the world and it causes them to be offended in the sense of they fall. They become unfruitful and they're unproductive. And you know and you can fall in love with the world and still make a comeback one of these days. But during that time you're living for the world, you're not bearing fruit. You're not doing anything for God. Another thing people are offended by that we saw also there in Matthew chapter 13, it mentions tribulation and persecution. Some people are offended by tribulation. John 16.1, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor Me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them, and the things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. So notice, Jesus told them, because this this isn't what the disciples were expecting. You know, they thought Jesus was going to set His kingdom up then. They were going to be ruling with Him. I mean, you've got James and John's mother coming and asking that one could sit in His right hand and one on the left. They saw big things coming for themselves. You know what they didn't see? Tribulation. Persecution. And so when Jesus' is his ministry is coming to a close, when He's no longer going to be with them physically in the flesh, He said, hey, I just want to give you guys a heads up. You're going to be delivered up to councils. and they're, You're going to get put out of the synagogues. In fact, your own brethren, the people that you used to worship with, and you were part of, they're going to try to kill you, and they're going to think they're doing God a service when they're trying to kill you. Now, that's going to cause you know that would that persecution it does it often causes people we get this idea maybe people listen to too much Joel Osteen or whatever that serving God means everything's going to be great everyone's going to love us everything's you know sunshine and roses, and often. When you get saved, you start doing right. You know what happens? Tribulation. Persecution. Challenges come. And then people think, I must be doing something wrong. We're always associating money, blessings, you know, physical things with the blessing of God. I must be doing right. No, that's not how that works. That is not how that works. And so Jesus, because He didn't want them to be offended by these things, He's like, hey, I'm just telling you now. So when this comes... You'll understand it's God's will. You're not doing something wrong. Because that's what we often do too. Whenever we go through persecutions, whenever we do, you get accused of things, you start second-guessing yourself. You start wondering if the critics are right. And the truth is, no. These are things that God said would happen. And so don't be offended. Don't let it cause you to quit. Don't give up. Keep on going. And so I believe it's very important that we prepare for this fact. In fact... You can go back and listen to a message. I, I preached a couple messages back when uh, we started putting sermons online and, you know, words started getting out about our church. I, I preached one sermon I remember, uh, like, are you ready for God to use our church? Because of course we want God to use our church. But in that message, I talked about all the negative stuff that was going to come with it. And there is, there's a lot of negative stuff out there online about our church. You know, we've, we've received a lot of persecution yeah you know, because of the stands and things we take. but you know what that's what happens when you do right. you know and there was there was another message I preached specifically, just prepping our church. Uh, it was the I think it was the truth about the news media, just talking about how they spin everything. I remember preaching a few messages during that time, just thinking, man, you know if if our church is going to be successful, here's what's going to happen. And I wanted to prep everybody, everybody for it because you know what? I never wanted to happen. I never wanted our church, I I didn't want to be one of these pastors that pastors people who love the church, who've been in the church for years, who love the pastor and think he's great and then they watch a five minute news clip where a bunch of unsaved Jews are saying this pastor's evil, this pastor's a hate preacher, this pastor's whatever and then all of a sudden oh man I didn't know I was in a hate cult, I'm leaving the church. I mean, isn't it amazing how we think a news reporter who's never been in a church knows more about you than have been in the church for years? You know, people people leave churches all the time because of stuff like that whenever there's negative news stories. And a lot of pastors today, they're afraid to preach the truth about the Sodomites because they're afraid that if they do, somebody, you know, it's going to go on the news and people in the church are going to leave. But why would they leave? Because they're going to get lied about. So the truth is, when those people leave, it's not that they believe the lies, even though they'll repeat the lies. You know what, your real reason they're leaving is because they're scared of persecution. They're scared of persecution. I've had people before that were in this church that knew the truth. They knew that they were, they were there when certain things happened. But then, as soon as they needed a reason to be mad at me and leave the church, you know what they start doing? They start quoting the haters. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There's enough bad stuff people are saying about me online. If you wanna, if you need an atheist to side with you, you can find them. If you need a Baptist to side with you, you can find them. And it's so funny how there's the people will put all this negative stuff out there about a church and about a preacher, and everybody in the church is fine with it until they need a problem. And so it's like, listen, punk. If you if you're gonna tell me this is a problem now, you need to explain to me why you had no backbone. And brought this up when it was going on. You, why didn't you bring this up when it happened? You were there, you saw what was going on. But now it's a problem. Now you're quoting this talking point you heard from somebody else because you need a talking point. And the truth is, they're scared of persecution. They're scared of tribulation, and so they flop out. And so, you know, folks, just just because you're saved, doesn't mean you just turn into Superman. And you're you're not afraid of anything. No, that's being filled with the Spirit. Okay? And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're going to be filled with the flesh. And if you're filled with the flesh, you're going to love the things of the world. You're going to be terrified of persecution. And so, understand. Right now, you know you you're, you know you can be everybody in here. You might be completely happy with everything. But when you need a problem, you won't have any trouble finding it. You you won't. But at the end of the day, the real problem. People get offended by tribulation, by persecution. And so I think it's important to prepare people for it, because you don't wanna you don't wanna flop out. And so even though I'm warning everybody, even now, something we do, we instinctive, something we instinctively do in our minds. I do this, you probably do without even realizing it. But even like right now, we're talking about being offended, right? And good people, save people flopping out becoming unfruitful and you know what none of us like to think about none of us like to think about any of us in here ever becoming unfruitful I mean that that's not a pleasant thought and you know we do we often find security in each other don't we and 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 that's not wrong you know but at the same time ultimately we got to make sure our security is in the Lord because I've known some people that I thought were really good Christians, and I think they were really good Christians, who now you can't find them in church. I, I found out a while back. I, you know how on Facebook you'll see people sometimes, and you that you knew at one point. You go down that rabbit hole, and they're connected to this person. You just anybody ever done that before? Where you, and you just start finding these people. I, I found a guy. Thankfully, I didn't let him preach, but there was somebody. Who came here a long time ago with a college tour group, and I didn't have him preach; I preached, and let the college tour group sing and stuff. But I really liked the guy. You know, I, I really like the guy. You know, he real outgoing, good guy, and everything. But then, I like saw this uh, this picture of him. You know, I, I came across his Facebook. Oh, I remember that guy. He's not a Baptist anymore, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, he he had pictures he of him drinking on there. I mean, he was like all tatted up all over the place. And this guy, I, one of the things I remember about him too, he came from a large family of preachers where he said that he had over, I think he around 30 or more, independent fundamental Baptist preachers in his family. And now he's living like a pagan. I'm like, what happened to that? I, I don't know what happened to that dude. I don't, I, I don't know what happened to that guy. But you know what? Somewhere he got offended. What it looks like to me, he got fell in love with the world. By the way he was living, the things he was posting, it was really sad. And it's discouraging when you see stuff like that. When I met this guy, he wasn't somebody I would have expected to see doing that not many years later. That's exactly what's going on. I talked to somebody a while back who I, I knew a family member of theirs that I really liked who had preached here before. And I'm like, hey, how's he doing? And it wasn't good. Him and his wife were getting divorced. He's not an independent fundamental Baptist anymore. I don't even know if if he's in church anymore. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? I, I never would have expected it from this individual. And let me tell you something. I believe that these people I'm talking about were sincere. I believe they were saved. I believe they were doing something for the Lord. But somewhere along the line, they got offended and they became unfruitful. And they're not bearing fruit anymore. They're not doing anything for God anymore. And so just understand... You know, while you know, you're you know, don't get too much security in the people around you. Make sure you mainly get your security from the Lord because you never know who's gonna fail you. You never know. It happens all the time. And so we and we need to get a hold of the fact that any of us are capable of being offended to the point of becoming unfruitful. And you say, Well, I, I would ne I would never, you know, quit souling, I would never quit, you know, start going to, you know, some kind of, you know, Repent of sins, Lordship Salvation Church or something like that. Listen, you know, I love soul winning too much. No, you don't you you don't understand. If you get in the flesh, your flesh isn't gonna to want to soul win. And if you don't want to soul win, you can find plenty of preachers out there that can make you feel good for not soul winning. There there you have the you can go to one of those churches, yeah, I don't know about these one, two, three, repeat after me, you know, people, you know, The salvation that won't get you in the churches isn't going to get you into heaven and all that kind of stuff. And what do they do? They they teach that junk trying to comfort people in their spiritual laziness that they're in. And you know what? You're not going to be comfortable here being spiritually lazy, but there are plenty of places you can go. And whatever you want to hear, you can hear it. You can find somebody teaching whatever you need them to say, and they're probably going to say it nicer than I do. And you know what? You can go and go to that church and feel all superior to us. Did you know that Calvinists who don't do any soul winning think they're superior to us? They act superior to us. Okay, now we're we know better than to act superior. We're humble, but at the end of the day we know we're better than they are. <laughs> and yet and yet I'm kind of being funny here. But they, they actually think it's superior. And they do nothing. How can that be? how can that be? Again, because they're they're hearing what they want to hear, and if you're not careful, one of these days you're going to want to hear somebody say soul winning's not really effective. You're going to want to hear somebody say ah, standards don't really matter. King James Bible, that stuff. If, if you need to hear that, you will be able to find somebody to say that. If you need Pastor Tommy McMurtry to be a bad guy, there's plenty of people you can find out there that will say, "I just, you know, that pre-trib debate I did. That guy, Brother Matt, sent me the." the minute marker, he was accusing me because he needs me to be a terrible guy because I kicked his can in the debate. He was accusing me of multiple times accusing pre-tribbers of being unsaved, calling them dimwits and turkeys. Have you ever heard me call anyone a turkey? I call names sometimes. But I don't think I've ever called anybody a turkey. I mean, come on. And I'm like... I mean, and just many times he said, I, I, I accuse pre tribbers of being unsaved. And I'm just like, okay, that would be stupid because if pre were unsaved, then I'm still not saved because, you know, I, became, I, I quit being pre tribbed nine years ago and I haven't been saved since then. <laughs> I was saved before that. So this is so dumb. But folks, if, if you need me to be saying pre are unsaved, you got a guy on record out there, you know, that apparently is pastor of a church saying that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just what you whatever you need somebody to say, you can find them on the internet. you can always find them on the internet, absolutely ridiculous, but just uh, I don't, I'm getting sidetracked with a lot of these things, but go ahead and turn to luke chapter twenty two listen to what Jesus said to Peter right here because I think this is the case with all of us. The Lord said unto Simon Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Why did Satan want Peter? So he could get his soul? So he could go to hell? No. So he could make him unfruitful. That's why he wanted him. Listen, just because you get saved doesn't mean Satan gives up on you. If anything, he's probably going to ramp up his attack on you, especially if you start being obedient. It happens when people get saved and then they get baptized, you know, and they start going to church. Satan gets upset. You start soul winning. You're probably going to... Satan's going to try to offend you. You know why? Not because he's trying to get you back. No, because he's trying to make you unfruitful. That's why. Colossians nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful... In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering and joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance and the saints of life. Notice Jesus prayed for Peter so Satan wouldn't get him because he didn't want to become an unfruitful. Paul is praying for these people who are saved. Why? So they will be fruitful. So they will be strengthened why because they do does, he doesn't want them being offended and that folks we need to be praying for each other we need to pray one we need to we need to do everything we can to not offend people sometimes we offend people on accident sometimes we offend people you know just because we get in the flesh and and if you do if you offend somebody you know you offend somebody you need, you need to try to get it right and it's tough it it, it can be tough to do that um Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, "A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle." And folks, I have been there before, where I have offended people, and I, I I've been there where I've offended people. I I didn't even know I did anything. I didn't mean to do anything. There's been times I've offended. I could tell you some stories, and I'm not going to. But I I have definitely offended people before when I and I could tell, I was like yeah, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. And it's just like, and I'm embarrassed by it. And, you know, thankfully, you know, in one situation I'm thinking of, you know, we didn't lose the people. And, I, I, you know, I we were able to get things right. But you know what? Sometimes when you offend somebody, you're never going to fix it. You're never going to get it right. And it's always my hope, too, that if I accidentally do offend somebody, I hope I don't offend them to the point of them becoming unfruitful. I, I really hope, especially if it's something that I did where I sinned, I do not want to do that to somebody. And folks, any of us can do that to somebody. You better watch it. A lot of people are baby Christians. A lot of people are weak Christians. And they are very sensitive to things. We ought to be tough. We shouldn't let anything offend us. But not everybody's tough. Some people do let things offend them. And, And while me as an individual, I should always work on not letting things offend me. Me as an individual, I should always work on not being offensive. Because I don't want to stop people from being unfruitful. So don't you let anyone stop you from being unfruitful. But again, don't you stop somebody from it. Oh, they should be they should be able to get over it. Well, guess what they're not going to. They're no longer going to be you know bearing fruit for Christ. They're no longer going to be a part of this church because you got in the flesh, you acted away with them that you shouldn't have. Boy, you got to watch out for that. and if you do, try to make things right but we need to we need to make it a point to pray for each other and not even just pray for the weak but to pray for the strong that are doing something for god if you see somebody that are doing that's doing something for god a lot of times we think oh they're strong i don't have to worry about him no you don't want to worry about him many great christians have fallen into sin and become unfruitful many many pastors that i believe with all my heart are saved, that are my brothers, that are on their way to heaven, they have fallen into sin. They've given in to lust. They've given in to temptation. They've committed adultery. They've lost their ministries as a result of it. They, you know, and, but at the same time, you know, they're still brothers. They're never going to be able to pastor again. You know, but, and, and, and I believe they can still be fruitful and still get people saved, but you know they're not going to be as effective as they were before. And so we ought to pray for people. So, yeah, I'm I'm realizing more and more as I see more and more pastors falling, some getting in trouble, you know, and getting right, but not able to be as effective anymore. Some who have just completely abandoned everything and have seem like they have no desire to get anything right. I'm realizing we need to we need to pray for everybody. Okay, and you know what? I hope you all pray for me. Don't just assume oh, Pastor Tommy, he'll always stand by the stuff, he'll always be there to the bitter end. I guarantee it. Well, I hope so. I'm planning on it. I plan on enduring to the end. Uh, you know, But the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm made out of the same flesh that you are. So, you know, pray. And, and and I love how even Jesus said that about Peter. Satan is desired to have you, but I prayed for you. You know, and sometimes that's all we can do for each other is pray for each other. We talked about spiritual gifts this morning. Again, if if, if praying is your spiritual gift and we need prayer warriors in this church, pray for each other. There's a lot of references we can see about that in the Bible, and not just for the weak. And we do, we often do. We often put a lot of prayer on that new convert, and that's good. Do it. We often try to give a lot of comfort to that new convert, convert. That's good. Do it. But you know what? Do it for the seasoned Christians too, because they need it. They absolutely need it. Don't give up. And let me just tell you something too. Okay, You want to talk about compromise Y'all say, Pastor, I don't think you'd ever compromise. You want to know when a lot of pastors start compromising is when their kids become teenagers and adults. You know, it's easy to be hardcore when your kids are little, and it's easy to keep them in line. It's usually when their kids become teenagers and start challenging them and adults. That's when all of a sudden all the things they preach go out the window. And you know what? That always makes me sick. And it's always the most hardcore guys too that like just preach the hardest on everything. They're always the ones when their kids become adults, and you know, it's like, and, and their excuses, oh, you know, I've just become wiser in my old age, and you know, it's like, shut up, you wimped out. That's all there is to it. You wimped out. And so, you know, what, you, what we should do for these older preachers? Pray for them. Pray for them, because you, you, can, compromise can happen at any age. And so, people are. Uh, they they get offended and tribulations stop them. Um, another thing too, some people just get offended by hurt and sin done to them. If you go to church with people, somebody is going to sin against you. You know it's impossible that offenses should come, but woe well unto that person by whom the offense comes. And I, uh, So again, it, it's one of those things where there's no way to make a church... Where nobody ever gets offended, y'all understand that people are going to do stuff, but at the same time, that so two sides of this. You need to strengthen yourself so things will not offend you, but we all ought to be careful and say, you know what, I don't want to do something that will be offensive to someone else in the church. That's very important, but and, and I especially don't want to sin. And you know what. I hope we all will admit, yeah, I'm still capable of sinning. I am capable of sinning against my brother and my sister in Christ. I am capable of getting in the flesh and doing something that I shouldn't do. And it doesn't mean I'm a terrible Christian. It just means I got in the flesh. But there's consequences to getting in the flesh. There's casualties, and you know, it's not like it is even even in this world. You know, we have situations where people sometimes. Good people lose their temper and maybe they take something too far and they hurt somebody or maybe they accidentally kill somebody. And you know what? They call that manslaughter. Sometimes it's even murder, and there's consequences for that kind of thing, as there should be, because you know it was it was just one moment of rage that caused you to do something like that, but you took someone's life. But you know what? What about when we do something that negatively affects someone's spiritual life? where we take them out of the game spiritually because we sinned against We didn't mean to. We're not going to do it again. We learned our lesson. But, in the meantime, this person's out of church now. They're not bearing fruit anymore. Folks, that's tragic, isn't it? That's tragic. And I'm not here today to tell you here's how you can make sure you never do that. We're probably going to do it sometime. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Just be aware of it and do your best not to. And I've got to watch that. I've offended people in the past, and I don't want to do that. Luke 17.1, we already covered it, it says it is impossible, but that offenses will come. He's basically saying it's not possible for them not to come. Offenses are going to come. It's wrong. Woe unto that person. But it's going to come. And and then notice what he says in verse 3, after he talks about offending little ones, he says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And you know, well, we need we need to do what we can to try to keep things right with each other. That's very important because again. It's, we don't want to just have this attitude, well, you know things aren't good, but I'm fine. I can handle it. Well, they might not be able to handle it. So you need to try to get things right. You need to try to do it because we don't want to be the cause of somebody falling out. And it's painful. It is a painful thing to watch people give up because they were hurt. And it's never an excuse to quit, but we should still be compassionate when this happens. Just don't let it confuse you and cause you to give up. Okay? If somebody quits because they got hurt, they shouldn't have quit. Okay. But can we not at least understand? And I've seen it before where offensive things happen to people. It's like they're done. And they they suck it out. And I'm thrilled when that happens. But then there's other times too that happened. Yeah, they quit. I am i don't hate them. It was, it was wrong. It's kind of like pe- there's people that have gotten divorced before. I don't think you ought to get divorced. But you know what? When I saw it they were married to, I'm like, I get it. It was wrong. I don't hate them though. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, we can have compassion. We can have compassion on them. We need to be that. We need to be that way. And so, um, you know, if if we if we think those around us that we love will, make, you know, or even if we think those that we love are going to make it, we still need a whole. We still need to pray for them, think about them, and just do whatever we can to. Try to help people stay right. We need to stay right with each other. It's so important that we do that. And uh, so another reason too, some people quit. Some people get deceived by bad teaching. And 2 Timothy 2.24 says, "...and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, at to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that He may recover themselves." out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And I believe when he's talking here, this is mainly talking about saved people, and saved people can get caught up into bad doctrine that is a snare of the devil. There is bad teaching out there that can make you become unfruitful. And a lot of times we just have this attitude. Well, do people who believe this, are they saved or lost? Well, here's the thing. It's not a matter of are they saved or are lost for every single thing. But let me tell you, there are some teachings out there that will make you unfruitful. For example, bad teaching on repentance. That will make you unfruitful. I think there's a lot of saved people that t- do not teach very good on repentance. But you know what? When you're, bad at, when you're confusing on your repentance, you're not going to bear a lot of fruit. And the worse they get, the less fruit you're going to bear. And if get, eventually, you're full-blown Lordship Salvation, John MacArthur type. You're not getting anybody saved. Well, are, are, are they saved? I don't know, but I guarantee you, with that kind of preaching, they're unfruitful. Guarantee. If they were saved before, sure. they used to preach it right. Well, you know, again, sometimes people preach things because it's politically expedient, sometimes it's conviction. Here's what I know if they're saved, if they were saved before, they're still saved now. But if they're preaching like that, they're not bearing any fruit. That, that, there's no way. You can have, you know, the, the uh, Calvinism, I think, too. You think all Calvinists are unsaved? No, but I think anybody who, who believes in Calvinism is going to be unfruitful as a Christian. I think I, that's what I think. I think most of them are probably unsaved. But let me tell you this: if you're saved and you turn into a Calvinist, you're still saved. Well, can that even happen? I don't know. I, I, I won't argue. All right? If somebody, you know, there's just some people. I'm just going to assume they're not saved. But theoretically, yeah, because theoretically, if you're saved and you do anything, you're still saved theoretically but here's what i know calvinists aren't fruitful end of story the demented grace crowd the trendies that turn the grace of god into lasciviousness that lifestyle evangelism you get caught up in all that stuff you i think you're still safe but you're going to become unfruitful and a lot of people they start listening to bad teaching they find weirdos on the internet they find the you know they go get involved in these other churches and things. They start reading the wrong books, and you know what it does? It makes them unfruitful. That kind of thing's gonna happen. They're in the snare of the devil. And saved people can get in that snare of the devil. And when people get caught up in false doctrine, you don't know want need to pray. We need to pray that God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth so they can get out of that snare of the devil. That's what needs to happen. And that snare of the devil, people they see that and think that means they go to hell. No, it means they become unfruitful. Because Peter, I believe Peter was saved when Jesus said Satan hath desired to have you he may sift you as wheat. He's, He's saying that to Peter because Satan didn't want Peter being fruitful. But when Jesus told Peter, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Why? Because He wanted them being fruitful. He wanted them encouraging others so they could keep going and bearing fruit. So just understand, a lot of saved people get caught up into bad teaching that will make them very unfruitful and we don't need to sit around and just analyze and figure out for sure if they're saved. Here's what we'll know: okay? if Brother Jerry ends up at the Cal- a Calvinist church here in town, we're not going to sit around and talk about, you know, debate whether or not he was ever saved. Okay? But here's what we will say: he's not going to bear fruit over there. Not if he if he believes that junk, you know, did you ever hear the one about the Calvinists out going out souling? Neither did I. Never, never. <laughs> Never heard that one. But why would would you go soul winning like we do if you believe Calvinism? It doesn't even make any sense. And so they don't. And so that's why I I don't have any good jokes about the Calvinists going out soul winning. And so they they just, it's never never happened. But anyway, enough making fun of Calvinists, as much fun as it is. I've got to be spiritual right now. But some people become unfruitful and we briefly mentioned this, just because of sin in their lives. 2 Peter 3.14 Saved people can have sin in their lives. 2 Peter 3.14 Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in Him in peace without spot and blameless. Oh, I thought the blood of Christ took care of all those spots and things. No, this is... Again, this is talking about something different. This is not about salvation. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things which is, are some things hard to be understood, that they which are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall, not from your salvation, from your own steadfastness. And so what are we supposed to do? What is part of remaining steadfast? Well, one, it's continuing, but two, growing. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We are supposed to be growing in these things. And if we have sin in our life, you know what? It will stunt your growth. It will affect the fruit you have. You say, oh, well, you know, I, I know people, they've got all these problems in their life, and yet they're still out winning souls and getting people saved. Well, here's the thing about that too. First off, it's stupid to judge yourself by somebody else. But second of all too, you know, I do think it's very capable and likely for like a new Christian who just hasn't been taught much yet to have a lot of sin in their life and be an effective soul winner. But here's the thing. It's about direction. Where are they going? Hopefully as time goes on, they start getting purged of those things. And you know what God does with trees that bear fruit? He purges them so they will bring forth more fruit. If you see some newly saved guy who's still got a lot of issues in his life, getting a lot of people saved, watch out if God purges that guy because he's probably really going to bear a whole lot of fruit. All of us will bear more fruit if we let God purge us. If we let the husbandman purge us, we will bear more fruit, and that's the goal—more fruit. That's what we need to be shooting for. And sin will make you ineffective. And let me tell you, if you're going the opposite direction, if you know, and we were talking about the other day, like you have some of these people—they believed repent of sins for salvation, started cleaning up their life, and then they learned about real salvation. And they repented of repenting of their sins. It's like, you know, I'm glad they got saved. But, you know, I, I wish when you learn the truth about salvation, it didn't motivate you to go back to sinning more. Come on. You know, it's, it's supposed to be the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And let me tell you, and, and when you think I've got it, I've got to repent of all these sins so God will save me. You're repenting of sins because you love yourself. You're because you know, you're trying to save yourself. But it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. When you realize God's going to save me just because He loves me, He paid for all my sins. I don't have to do anything. You know what that does? That cre- that creates a love in me that makes me say, you know what? God doesn't like me doing that. I don't want to do that anymore. And, you, and what do you hear people say all the time too? All right, you know, if I believe once saved, always saved. I believe like you did. I you know I just get saved and then I go out and rape and pillage and do all these things. It's like, so is that what you want to do right now? Is that what you want to do right now? You're something's wrong with you, buddy. Because I don't know about you, I didn't quit doing anything. I didn't say, you know, I didn't make any big promises to God so He would save me. I just believed the gospel and got saved. And you know what? Interestingly enough, I don't want to do those things. Now, let me tell you. Sometimes my flesh, sometimes my flesh, feels like doing some things that it shouldn't do. But in my spirit, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to God. You know why? Because I love Him. And it's, it's some of this weird teaching that people are coming up with. It really does a lot of damage, and it really confuses a lot of stuff. And truth is, we just need to be—we need to be growing. Again, we all have sin in our life, but hopefully you're growing. Hopefully you're going in the right direction. Hopefully you're getting better. But you know what? False prophets love to do. And we're not even going to go to the scriptures on this. They love to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now, have you ever wondered why? I, I think there's many reasons they try to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. One is because the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us the denying ungodliness, worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace teaches us that we should live like Christ. That's what that's what true grace does. But they, because it's clear in the Bible, salvation it's not about you. Cl- reforming yourself, repenting of your sins and all that kind of stuff. You have people that go overboard with it and almost encourage people to sin just to you know, pr- you know, know, show how great God is in all of His grace. But let me tell you who these people are. You know what they are? They're Balaam's. Because what did Balaam do when he couldn't curse Israel? He couldn't curse Israel so what did he do? He got them to commit fornication so God would judge them. And you know what? When you get saved, the devil can't get your soul, but you know what he can do? He can get his false prophets to get you sinning, so God will punish you. That's what they can do. And so that's... And I'm telling you right now, when you get saved, the devil does not give up on you at that point. Okay? And we do... We often talk about the victory and we sing about certain aspects of that, and that's 100% true. He will never get our souls. But folks... The devil is far from done with you. And if you start bearing fruit, he's probably going to pay more attention to you. So just don't let these things offend you. And he will use any of these things. Bad doctrine, sins from other people, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, persecution, tribulations. He will use all of these things. Why? Because he doesn't want you bearing fruit. He doesn't want you getting more people. And so the final thing we need to recognize, it is a very likely possibility that I'm not even going to spend any time on this. I'm just going to tell you what it is. But there are many people who come into churches who are only conformed to us and they are not transformed into one of us. It's like what we see in Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You may be able to prove it. Too many people come into churches and and they might even be saved people. I'm going to go try and be like them fundamental Baptists. And they dress like us. They act like us. They talk like us. They use all the lingo that we do. And they, they participate in everything we do. But they've never fully been convinced. They've never been fully convinced. And that's just what we've got to understand. Not everyone... You know, is fully persuaded in their own mind. You might be fully persuaded in your own mind, but some people aren't. Some people are just trying it out. Some people they they're just they're just going to come here because they like what we have to say about the Jews, and they'll just go along with all the other stuff. That's all they really care about. Well, you know, eventually, that's not going to be enough to keep them around. And you know what? They're going to flop out, and there are all these other things. Listen, there's people who've come here and they were soul winners while they were here. You know why? Because they were conformed. But then they're not here and now they don't soul win anymore. But you know, let me tell you, if you're transformed, if it's a core belief for you, if it's who you really are, you'll keep doing it. You'll go to another church that's doing the same kind of thing because that's who you truly are. And so just understand, it's easy to go into a church and conform. We could all go to a Catholic church and figure out how to act. Figure out what to do, learn when to stand up, learn when to sit down, learn when to kneel, learn what to repeat back. Some of you might still know how to do some of that stuff from back when you used to do it. Yeah, you know, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean you're really one of them. You just you just know what to do. And so when someone starts going to a church, it's not wrong for them to cooperate with the program of that church and follow certain things for unity's sake. It's not wrong to do that. And maybe. To a certain extent, some of you in here, you're just kind of going with the program. It's not wrong for you to do that, but the truth is you need to be honest with yourself and you should always be working on strengthening your beliefs and make sure they become a part of who you are so you don't quit and become unfruitful. And unfortunately, a lot of people just, they're not doing that. And so it doesn't stick. So... Hopefully, this was not an exhaustive list of things, but folks, I gave you in the last two weeks several reasons people are going to go out from us. Sometimes it's, not, it's because they weren't saved. Most of the time, it's saved people that these things happen to. This is a common thing that we were warned about. That Jesus warned His disciples about. Jesus prayed for His disciples that they wouldn't flop out because of these things. So without a doubt, we're always going to see this kind of thing. So you know what we need to do? We need to pray for each other. We need to strengthen each other. And we need to keep working on ourselves so we can keep on bearing fruit. You know what? Thank God for all those salvations that we see on the board out there. But you know what? We could become one of those churches one of these days that nothing even close to that. And it'll happen if we get in the flesh, false doctrine, all that stuff. So with that, let's pray to Lord. I hope this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. I pray to your God that you'll help us to take these things to heart. Help us to always be working on improving ourselves, strengthening ourselves, and strengthening each other. Lord, For without a doubt, we're always going to see people come and go, give up, quit. But I pray, Lord, we'll just do whatever we can to help motivate people and to stay strong ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen.